Welcome to the Basin Church Podcast. And as a church, our mission is to bring hope and wholeness through Jesus Christ. And no matter where you are and as you listen today, we hope that you find hope in Jesus and even move one step closer to being made whole. People who are closest to you know you the best. And people closest to you, they end up giving you advice, right? Now, whether you take it or not, that's up to you. Whether you actually do it or not, that is up to you, right? So they, they tend to help you out and see your flaws and see your weaknesses. And again, it's really up to you. It's up to you if you want to change. It's up to you if you want to actually go in the direction that the people are telling you to go. But um, I'm telling you, this isn't something that happens overnight, If you know and the people closest to you are telling you some things and flaws you need to change, you know it doesn't happen overnight. In fact, it is a process that you have to go through in order to get to the place and your weaknesses and and get rid of those things, right? So all that to say is there's a couple things that I'm working on lately. It's a couple things that if we got up here, my family would tell you. There's two things that I am trying to work on, but yet I am still failing, Okay, and um, matter of fact, I, I failed shortly. I mean, but anyways, here's the reason why I tell you this is there's two things. One is, well, first of all, both situations result in the same response I have. Okay, so both situations, I get crabby. Both situations, I say stuff I shouldn't say. Okay, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Pastors are never perfect. So first one is this, and my family will attest to this, and then. I like, um, I'm the type of person that I can sleep anywhere. Okay, now some of you can't, right? But I'll just be honest with you. I have fallen asleep on my friend in the car. I fall asleep on the couch. If I am super tired, I'm going to fall asleep. Now, there's a problem though, because if dad is not in his bed, then nobody wants to wake me up. And the reason why they don't want to wake me up, and they'll tell you, is because I'm like a bear out of hibernation. I get up and I'm crabby, cranky, and irritable. So, yesterday, and one of my kids, I said, hey, why don't you wake me up? Dad, why would I wake you up? You're going to be crabby, okay? So I'm just telling you it happens. And then the next thing is, this crabby situation, is I don't know, I don't like surprises. But I don't like surprises when it comes to something breaking down. Okay, so if we're talking there's a broken pipe or something in my house or we've got to fix something that was just working five minutes ago, I have an issue with that. So if my wife calls me up and says the vehicle's got an issue, doesn't go well with me. I'm just telling you. And so what happens is I get crabby, cranky, and irritable. And my response is not good. My response is probably normal like some people. So I get crabby, cranky, and irritable, and the first thing is, is I do this, is I ask the person, what did you do? Because obviously they had to do something, right? They had to do something in order for it to break, because it was just working 10 minutes ago, and now it's not working. Or the other thing um, I just kind of say is, well, okay, it's, it's broken, but did you do anything to fix it? Did you try? Did you attempt to fix it? And the usual answer is, no, that's what you're here for, Okay. So that instantly sends me into crab mode, right? I get crabby, irritable, cranky. And then when I get crabby, irritable, and cranky, someone's going to pay, okay? And what ends up happening is I say stupid things at stupid times and hurt people's feelings. 
just who I am. I'm really working on it. But again, and it is, it's, I do so much damage with my mouth and my tongue because like, it, it just, it makes me stressed out. It stresses me out. And, and I don't know if you're like that. And I'm sure you have some other weaknesses and I'm sure you can get crabby and irritable. And I'm sure your responses to your family and your friends and even co-workers are not the greatest. But the reality is all of us, our responses and our emotions are reactions to our circumstances. Circumstances always get the best of us emotionally, don't they? And when you begin to have a circumstance, whether it's a surprise or not, you get angry, you get frustrated, you get discouraged, and you end up hurting somebody, maybe, or just making your life miserable. And so you have this whole idea of that, but we have this idea, and we've bought into this kind of this idea that, that our circumstances dictate our attitude. For example, maybe this week you had to go and apologize to somebody because of something you said. Or maybe they had to apologize to you because of something they said. And maybe the, the week was going really, 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 really well. And it started off great until one of your kids got disrespectful. Then it didn't go really well. Matter of fact, maybe you had an argument before coming to church, right? And there's tension in the car, and there's tension, there's tension, and you pull up in the parking lot, oh my gosh, i got to put on my smiley face and act like everything's good, right? And so there's this tension, and, and again, our circumstances dictate our attitudes and our actions. And we've actually bought into this that um, if someone's not happy, then no one's going to be happy, Right? We're only happy if our circumstances dictate our happiness. So if life is good, I'm good. If life is horrible, I'm horrible. Think about it. We have sayings, don't we? If mom ain't happy, nobody's happy, right? Happy life, happy wife. There you go, right? And I'm not, look, I'm not picking on wives. I'm not picking on moms. I'm not picking on women. You can put anybody in there, right? Just so you know, you could put happy dad, happy life, Happy husband, happy life. You could put happy boss, happy life, right? If the boss isn't happy, nobody's happy. Like you could put anyone in there. And the, the reality is this. We all know someone who we have to walk on eggshells around because their attitude and their actions dictate our attitude and actions, right? It's kind of like if their life is not happy, then we're not happy. And it's kind of frustrating, and we've also bought into this, this kind of idea from culture. And this idea from culture is this. If our circumstances dictate our happiness, right, then what, what it is, is is we've got to do what makes us happy. Right? So we've got to just do what makes us happy. If you're not happy, then you've got to change. Right? If you're not happy, then you've got to do something to create your own happiness. And so what culture says is happiness is your chief goal. Right? It's all about you. Well, are you happy? No. Well, then do something about it. Right? Or, or you need to go do this because you're not happy. And, and, and what I say is this is, think about it. We go and pursue things and buy things to make us happy. If I buy that clothing, if I buy the accessory, if I have this food, if I do this and I buy the vehicle, whatever it is, then I'm going to be happy. And on the other side is this. If I get rid of some stuff, I can be happy. So, if I'm in a, a friendship 
and the friendship is not going well, get out of it. Right? We have people who struggle in marriages. It's like all of a sudden the love is not there anymore. I'm bored. I, I'm bored. And, I, I, and so we have this tendency in marriage that we don't just pick up our boots, you know, tie our laces, and try to make things change. No. It's like culture has said, well, if it's not making you happy, if you're bored and you've fallen out of love, then you go look for somebody else. Because your happiness is dictated on your circumstance. And the fact of the matter is this, and we all know this, is this next person is not going to make you happy. The thing is, is you have to change. If you change, your circumstances can change. And the problem is, is people go around life searching and searching and searching for something to make them happy. And anyone who goes and tries to make things and pursue happiness in those ways, they're going to end up empty. End up continue seeking, seeking, seeking. If I just had, if I did this, if I got rid of this, then I'll be happy. And they never find fulfillment. And so when you go look in the Bible, this is not a new concept because people in the Bible had the same exact thing. Their circumstance kind of dictated their attitude. And their circumstance kind of dictated how they lived life. And if you go all the way back to Israel and you look at the nation of Israel, and we're talking about the Old Testament before Jesus is born, People in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they are slaves for 400 years. Now, to put that in perspective, America is under 250 years old. They're slaves for double that, 400. Now, that's all they know. I get up. They tell me what to do. They tell me what to drink. They tell me what to eat. They tell me what I'm going to do for the day. Well, God, and you know this, and if you look at the Exodus, the great Exodus, God intervenes under the leadership of Moses. He brings them out into the wilderness. He brings them out and says, I'm bringing you to the promised land. The problem is they are not content with their circumstances. They're not happy. They get man every day. They get fed every day. But here's what they do. They start to complain against Aaron and Moses. And here's what they say. Well, if we were back in Egypt, we'd be better off. If we were back in those days, we'd be so, so much better off. We didn't have to worry about our food. We didn't have to worry about any of this stuff. And you're telling us and you're directing us and God's telling us. And we have no idea where we're going. And we have this crummy manna, bread from heaven, every single day. We eat the same thing every single day. There we had a feast, a banquet, a feast. But here's what they forget. You were slaves. You were not free. Out in the wilderness, you're free under, under God. And he's taking care of you and he's providing you. Yeah, it's not the way you want, but again, oh, but it was so much better. Yeah, you woke up and had bricks and you started doing the pyramids and you did all that stuff. You forget how hard it was. You forget them whipping you and all this stuff. And so again, their happiness is determined on their circumstance. Fast forward. So you got the Israelites, now you fast forward to Jesus' time. Do you know people could have been um, frustrated? They could have been upset. They could have been angry and disappointed. Because their circumstance wasn't the greatest either. They could have been unhappy as well. Think about this. When you get the time when Jesus comes and you're a Jewish person, there's two things. One, you're under the hand of the Roman government. Okay, so you got the Roman government pressing down on you. You're not free. You have governments coming in and out and ruling over you. You don't have your own government. And not only that, but here's the other thing. You've been promised this Messiah, this Savior, that's going to come. And so the Savior Messiah, your great-great-great-granddad said, Hey, there's a Messiah coming. 
and then your great-grandpa didn't show up, right? And they didn't show up for your dad. And then now you're living, and now your kids are saying, is the Savior coming? So you could be very, very frustrated. But that would all end when Jesus came and Jesus began to come on the earth and God sent Jesus to be born. Everything changed. And what happened was, not only did the world change, but humankind changed. Humankind changed on the inside, not just on the outside. And so we've looked over this two weeks going back into the look, looking at the birth of Jesus. Jesus offers two things, and we're going to talk about a third one today. What does he offer? He offers hope. And we said this, that, that Jesus, no matter what your circumstances in, no matter how horrible you feel and you're pressing down, there's hope in Jesus. Right? Hope is not lost. Hope is found in Jesus. And last week we said some of you have, have missed out on the peace. And you've missed out and your life seems chaotic at this time. There's so many things going on and so you just don't know what to do. And, and Jesus says, at my birth, I came to give you peace. And we look back at Isaiah and Isaiah says, He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace. That is the, the establishment of contentment. Right? Establishment of who he is. And, and so Jesus' birth brings peace to us all. And I said last week, and I hope you did this. That if you were frustrated and your life was not just kind of out of control, I'm hoping that you declared in your home, said, I invite the peace of God into my home. Because where the peace of God is, the kingdom of God is. Where the kingdom of God is, the will of God is established. And so I'm hoping that you went out saying, okay, I give you this day, Lord. May the peace of God be in this place today. And I'm hoping you're walking in peace, and I hope you're doing that. But today, we're going to go from hope to peace to joy. Not happiness, joy. And that's what the, the birth of Jesus also brings. So if you have your Bible, we're continuing in Luke chapter 2. And this time we're going back. We've seen jo Joseph come, and, and he was really smart in bringing his, his wife here to marry to, to Bethlehem. They know he's going to be born. All of a sudden, the baby's born. And now you have the message that this baby is born. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, he continues, and he says this. He says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So the shepherds, okay, they're taking care of their sheep. They're taking care of them in the fields of Bethlehem. And you have to understand that shepherds, a shepherd life was not fun. It was lonely. It was outdoors. And it was hard work. It was very, very tiring. And these shepherds, as they're there, if one would fall asleep, if they were together in pairs, as some were, they would watch the, the flock and they would take turns. And they'd watch the flock because at night, either thieves were coming or wolves were going were gonna to take your sheep. So they were out there all the time watching their sheep. And you have this picture that he gives us out by Bethlehem. They are doing their job. And then these um, sheep that perhaps they were watching may have been destined to be used for Passover. What I mean by that is you have to have a sacrifice and maybe they were having their uh, unspotted, their clean lamb out there for someone to come and buy to use for Passover. But who knows? We just know this, that they are doing their duty, watching their flocks at night. Okay, and then at that night, everything would change. And it's going to change in, in verse 9. It says this, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. So this appearance of the angel terrified him. And in the Greek, it actually says that. Scared. Terrified. They are afraid big time. And when you look at angels, what we tend to think is, oh, there's this nice, sweet angel with wings and a halo. And if you look at the description of angels in in the Scripture, it's not like that. Matter of fact, if you look at when people encounter an angel or the angel of the Lord, they are usually terrified. They are scared. It's not what they are expecting. And here these these, um, shepherds are, are terrified. This angel shows up to them bright and says hey this is i got i got a message for you and here's here's the message and see anytime again they would they would come they'd say do not be afraid so if you look in the old testament and you look at gideon when the lord and the angel comes to gideon he says do not be afraid when he goes to a burning bush i actually had to look this up it says an angel of the lord is in the bush it says, Moses, do not be afraid. When you talk about Zechariah and Mary, do not be afraid. And here's the interesting thing. Not only do they not say, do not be afraid, but when angels come, they have a message for people. Usually in the scripture, now angels have different jobs and they do different things, but these messenger angels would come to these people. And the interesting thing of all this is they would come when they're doing their normal daily tasks. Right, getting his press and wheat. Moses out there in the wilderness watching his flock. Zachariah is in the in the um, temple, and Mary is just at home, just doing her thing. And he comes in their daily life, and the Lord begins to send them a message. And God is the God, same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, if God begins to speak to people in their daily lives and has a message for them, God has a message for you as well. And God is not going to wait till oh everything lines up. He's going to come in your daily life. And matter of fact, God wants to speak to you in your daily life. I've had more encounters with the Lord speaking me when I'm walking up the stairs at work or when I'm in my room doing something or when I'm driving home, the Lord begins to speak to me. It's the daily motion and the daily part of our lives where the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And so God, in his moment, these shepherds, think about this, God has an encounter with these shepherds. Not the most opportune time, it's what? At night when they are working, excuse me, when they're doing their task. So they're doing their task, and he has this encounter. He says, what? I have a message for you. What's the message? It's a message. It is good news. It's good news. Don't be afraid. Now, when he, the angel says this, don't be afraid, he doesn't want to strike a panic into their hearts. He wants them to understand that this message I have is exciting, thrilling, and marvelous. And I want you to pay close, close attention, shepherds. Here's the message. And he begins to, to say this. And, and this is, it says, the good news for all people. And I love this phrase, all people, because look, it doesn't mean it's for the Israelites. No, it means for you and I. People who are non-Jewish. It means for the Gentiles. You know who else it means good news for? The shepherds. He includes the shepherds in all that. Good news for you as well. So again, he's got this good news, and, and again, the good news is good for them. Why? Because I don't know if you know this or not, but by the most part, shepherds were rejected by the Jewish leaders. And they were rejected, and they had the lowliest position, and they were rejected because they didn't hold to the 
the regulations and the rules of the law all the time. And matter of fact, they would often break the Sabbath because they were taking care of their sheep on the Sabbath. And they didn't ha- have all the regulations down and following the law. So they were shunned by the religious leaders. So think about this. People who were written off, people the lowest of the lowest, that the, ri- the ri- religious people cast away, God says, hey, guess what? I have a message for you. And God doesn't come to the, the king. He doesn't come to the, to the palace. He doesn't come to the religious leaders. Who does he come to? These low shepherds. The lowliest job, the lowliest people, the one who are written off, and he comes and says, I have a message that is good news for all people. Not just for the Israelites, but for all people. And again, it's going to change. And as, again, the angel says this, he begins to speak. And in verse 13 and 14, it says this, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And one angel begins to tell them the message, and instantly you got angels all around. And they begin singing and praising, and they, you see it says, who gets the peace? It's not someone who has the what? Just someone who is in good faith, good will. It's someone, a recipient of peace, is somebody who has the favor of God on their life. It says, peace on those whom his favor rests. Guess what, shepherds? My favor rests on you. I mean, that would be, you'd just be taken back. You're, not, you're, you're shunned, lowliest position, and all of a sudden he comes to you and says this, the angel. And then verse 16, here's what it says. Uh, verse 15, When the angels had left them, they'd gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they understood, right? The Lord has told us about. So they understood exactly the message was coming from the Lord. And they were excited. See, in their enthusiasm, they began to say, let's go check this out for ourselves. If this is really the Lord and he has told us this, then let's go check this out. So they go to Bethlehem and they begin to see that baby in the manger for themselves. And they are ecstatic. And as they begin to do this, they... they um. They, it says this in verse 17. So they confirm it for themselves, go see the baby, and then look what happens in verse 16 and 17. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So now, again, they're going with enthusiasm. The religious leaders know where the baby is born, but they don't show up, do they? The shepherds do. These shepherds do, and they go and investigate it for themselves. And it says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed and at what the shepherds said to them. So after, listen, after seeing baby Jesus, right? After seeing baby Jesus, they begin to spread the message of the good news. They begin to tell people, They begin to tell him, hey, this is what we saw. This is what we heard. The angel came to us. This is what we saw. The baby is lying in Bethlehem. And he he is there. And the the shepherds were the ones who were to deliver the message. Think about that. The the Savior of the world that people have been waiting for a long period of time, it doesn't come to anybody but these shepherds. It's really amazing. And think about it. The shepherds were kind of like the social media of the day, right? 
They're the ones that have to spread it. So they're the ones that go and begin to tell people. And one, and one person says, um, people just begin to believe them. Well, why? They had no reason to doubt them. They're not making this stuff up. So they begin to spread this word. And, and here's what I love about the shepherds. Do the shepherds know the end of the story? No. They know one thing. There's been a Savior who was born in Bethlehem. And we're going to go see him. And they don't know the story, and they, it doesn't, but see, they don't know the end of the story, but it doesn't prevent them from telling people. Because here's what happens. When you see something so powerful, so marvelous, so exciting, and so thrilling, you can't keep your mouth shut. You can't. When you see God do something amazing, people can't deny it, and they can't keep their mouth shut. they got to tell somebody. And so they've seen an angel. They've got the best news. And they go and they tell the rest of the people. And the word spreads. And people begin to believe and see it for themselves. But then here's what it says in verse 19 and 20. It says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising for all the things that he had heard and they had seen, which were just as they had been told. I love that because Mary is pondering. She treasures up all these things. She ponders. She ponders about the Messiah, the message about the angel coming to her and about the patriarchs and what was said way long time before her. And I love the, the, the thing here about the shepherds. They ultimately go back to the fields, don't they? But they go back to the fields changed. They have a great gratitude for the Lord. They begin to begin to praise him. They begin to glorify him. And they are very thankful that they saw the Savior with their own eyes. The joy that came upon them. And, and I love, too, finally what Luke says. He says, again, that all the things that they have heard and seen, watch, which was just as they had been told. See, it said the sign, you will see the sign that the babe will be wrapped in cloth. And so he shows that God is a God of his promises. That what he says, he will fulfill. And I'm telling you, those people that day, including the shepherds, they were overwhelmed with joy. Their circumstances had changed. But they don't have an outward happiness. They got an inward happiness because Jesus was about to change their lives from the inside out. And when it comes to the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus does this. It brings joy to all. And what joy is, is joy is something that is inward satisfaction, and joy is something that does not determine on your outside of your circumstances. See, now you're thinking, well, well wait a second, okay? So you're talking about all the joy, and that's great and all, but I'm sure I just don't see it. Because some of you at this time, maybe you're stressed at work, or you're stressed financially, or things are happening, and you're like, I can't see joy. I don't know joy. I have no idea what you're talking about. All you know is that you are acting naturally because the circumstances around you are not very good. And those circumstances around you right now are dictating your attitude and they're dictating your life. And so you have the outward circumstances dictating your reaction. And so what, the, the, what Jesus, when he came today, and, and we're talking about it's, it's so difficult to change, right? It's just normal for us. If life is not good, we're not good. But it, but. What we have to do is we have to understand the joy that Jesus brings. 
See, the joy of Jesus brings, and ultimately what happens, is Jesus does not rely on circumstances. See, our hope is not in my nice new car I bought. My hope is not in that my marriage is really great. My hope is not in this new thing that I'm going to buy. You know who my hope is in? It's in Jesus. It's not in something. It's in someone. Someone who does not shake, that is undisturbed. Someone is at my refuge and my rock. That no matter what circumstance I have, because I'm a follower of Jesus, I have an inward joy that no matter what happens out here, He is in control of my life. And people look at us and go, you're nuts. How, you, you're supposed to be down. You're supposed to, No, because the outside does not dictate my inside. And if I have Jesus, it doesn't matter what happens on the outside. He's going to walk me through this. And I can be able to get through anything because I follow Jesus and he lives with inside me. And see, the joy, uh, we need to receive that joy. That joy, because sometimes, listen, you can walk with Jesus forever and not have it. And when you receive, maybe you need to receive the joy today. And, and here's what the joy of the Lord does. And it says it in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, let me give you some context to that. These people are going through a rough time. And there's Nehemiah, and they're trying to rebuild this wall, and they're, it's down and, and everything. And Ezra gets up there, and he begins to read the law. The law is the five books of the Old Testament. And as he begins to read the law, what ends up happening is people are struck to their heart. And they're struck to their heart, and they begin to repent. And, oh, Lord, we're so sorry for what I've done. This is what we've got ourselves into. And Nehemiah says, do not grieve. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get up. This is the day of the Lord's. Go and eat. And he says this, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, you can get through anything because of who is with you. You can get through anything because He is the one that walks and guides along. See, this is the greatest thing about, about God. God sends Jesus for you and I, baby to man. That tension that we felt as humans, now with Jesus coming down to the earth, it's gone. Because He makes the relationship right. See, if God is loving and so caring to send Jesus to you and to me to die for our sins, how much more will he walk you through a problem? How much more does he care about your finances? How much more does he care about your prodigal child? How much more does he care about your rocky relationships? But see, the problem is, is we forget he lives with inside us. We forget that it is Jesus that our faith is built on. It's not built on something, it's built on someone. And that Jesus brought peace and he brought hope, but he brought joy for you and I. And see, that's how we have to live and that's what we need to do. And it can be your joy. And see, I think sometimes too, is that we are to receive joy. And once we receive joy, we're supposed to share joy. Think about that. The shepherds had an encounter with Jesus. They received the joy. Today a Savior is born. Good news. For all people. He's going to be the Savior of the world. And they go and share it to people. Now, I know that's difficult for some of us. And but I want you to go back to the beginning when you were first, if you're if you're Christ follower, if you follow Jesus, go back to the beginning when you're following Jesus. See, the, the thing about the message of Jesus and, and our role, and when he talks to the apostles and when he and, and Peter, excuse me, Paul talks about in Corinthians. He says we're ambassadors for Christ. 
An ambassador brings the message. An ambassador walks with the, with the nation, goes to another nation. He walks with that nation's authority. You walk with the authority of Jesus, but not only do you walk with the authority of Jesus, you have the message of Jesus. And so what happens is, as, as when you're first a believer, you can't keep quiet. When God changes your life, you can't keep quiet. You end up going to church all the time. You end up reading your scripture. There's something that happens in your life that is that people go, oh, what happened to you? Well, I don't know. I just found Jesus. And something amazing happens. But as you become and you follow Jesus year after year after year, something happens and it's called complacency. And your faith becomes stagnant. And you're no longer an ambassador. You're just okay with how you're living life. You don't really tell anybody. You don't tell anybody who this joy that you have inside of you. You just hold it to yourself. You go to church and life's good and, and you keep to yourself. Thing is, is that we need to change that. And so, so where do you start? The first, I think, for some of us is maybe if we've got off and we're stagnant with our faith and we're stagnant with our lives, here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to change. Well, what does that mean? Begin to read, begin to have that first love that you had when you were first a Christian and begin to think differently begin to act differently, begin to respond differently. I'm telling you, when you begin to act and respond, people are going to know that there's something different. And here's the thing. When you respond and you change, God might you, don't, you have no idea what God is going to do because of your obedience. Because I tell you this, what God is going to do is He can open the door for someone. He can open the door for a family member. He can open up the door for a coworker. He can open up the door for a friend. I don't know. But when you begin to change your life, you don't know what God is doing on their heart as they are watching you. And you don't know if the Lord is going to open up that relationship. They may come and ask you, say, hey, tell me about this Jesus you serve. You have no idea. But so maybe for you, it's beginning to change. And, but others of you, maybe you've changed and you're good. Life's good. And the thing for you is you've got to come to a place of invitation. That you need to start inviting people. And you need to say, hey, I'm an ambassador for Jesus. i got the best news. I can't also answer all your questions, but I know who can. I don't have all the questions, but I can pray for you. You can begin to touch people's lives. See, see, think about that for a second. To go back to the first time when you were a believer, isn't it true that someone, you had to say yes to an invitation? You had to say yes to an invitation, whether it was to a church service, a church event, or just to open up to, to the relationship with Jesus. You had to, you, someone invited you. Someone changed your life. Think about what hangs in the balance of your invitation. See, there might be people around in your life who are waiting for you to invite them to church or invite them to lunch or to invite them somewhere else. And you have no idea. Maybe they're just waiting and God's just preparing their heart and preparing their heart so that they may come into a right relationship with Him. And guess what? He wants to use you to share the message like He used the shepherds to share the message and the joy of Jesus. And finally, last one is this is we share the message because the message is for all. Christianity is not something that is just for a certain club, certain group of people. The message of Jesus is for all. And when you think, go back to the shepherds and the story of the shepherds, think of how the Lord welcomed him in that night. He welcomed him in and says, hey, good news for all. The joy of the Lord, it's for you. 
And see, Jesus knew everything. God knew everything about them. He knew where they would be. And guess what? That baby Jesus was approachable. And that Jesus is still approachable today. And there are people out there that need to know that God hears them, God knows them, and knows what they're going through. And he wants to approach them to have a right relationship with them. And so they can receive the joy of Jesus and have an internal change within their lives. Finally, go back to the night when the shepherds saw the joy. When they saw, excuse me, when they saw the baby, they had joy that was unexplainable, unspeakable. That joy was better than you going out and finding a present. Yes, I've scored. It's It's better than anything you can think of, this joy that they had. This joy was unexplainable to them, and they began to tell people because it was marvelous, it was power, powerful, thrilling, and exciting news that the joy and the Messiah was going to come for all. And so Jesus' birth gives you and it gives I joy, and it gives everyone joy. But we have a responsibility to be ambassadors with that message.
Thanks for listening. And if you would like more information on our church or you'd like to visit us in person, you can go to basinchurch.org. And as always, we hope this content helps you on your faith journey.